Greetings Reboot Rats, this was originally planned as a two-part celebration of 200 episodes of Total Reboot, but we got so freaking carried away on the freaking riff that I've had to cut this shit up into a three-parter gargantuan celebration of 200 episodes of Total Reboot. So we're going to get straight into it where we left off last week. We're going to go up until 2013. And then next week, we're going to finish up with the final batch of the list and some big exciting announcements about what we have got planned for the future of this podcast that we're freaking so stoked about next year. And what is going to be coming up hopefully, in the world of finding as well and what we get to do with that kind of stuff. So stay tuned for next week. We'll talk about that. And also next week with the final episode, I'm going to put the whole lists of all the movies from Cameron and I uh, from these spectacular into a list on my Letterboxd. So you can access all of them then when they're all up together next week. Now let's get on to the show. Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet that dares to discuss cinema, flicks, DVDs, Blu-rays, um, torrents, <laughs> streams from Russian websites, uh, VHSs occasionally, Betamax, yes. WAV files, MP3s, MKRs. Uh, what else? My Kitchen Rules. Yeah, we mainly... This is a My Kitchen Rules recap. <laughs> We love to talk about My Kitchen Rules. Manu, the <laughs> harshest judge in all of town. Yeah, and the other guy, he's got some things to say. Matt O'Kine. The other guy, Matt O'Kine. <laughs> we also recap that show. <laughs> <laughs> Two shows on different networks, but it doesn't matter. That's not what we really... We don't actually do that stuff, guys. That's just us mucking around and We're mucking around. around. So we, we don't like to talk around. about TV, but we love to make fun of it, pretending that we do. We do talk about movies, though, and mm-hmm. my name is Cameron James, and your name is Alexi Toliopoulos. Is that, that true? It is. That it is. The lies have stopped. We're now only telling truths. We've said our names. <laughs> We've said the premise of the show. I'm going to say one more premise. Mm-hmm. We're discussing our favorite films from each year of our birth. Last mm-hmm. week, we had an age reveal of Alexi. Oh, God. Which is very exciting. Very yes. exciting. Finally, it's on the record. People finally know that I'm 23 years old. Mm, that's not how I remember it. Because then I-, I would have had like almost 10 movies just to myself to talk about. Well, let's just say I did a little creative editing in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> we ended last episode on the year of our Lord and Saviour, uh, 2005. The mm-hmm. wedding crashes year. Oh, an iconic year in <laughs> film and comedy history and whereupon they meet together. Well, we're going to kick this week off with 2006. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm excited to hear what you picked for this year because guess what? I think this year was one of the worst. Wow. Okay. That's very interesting for you to say, Cameron. Um, I'll just say before we get into it as well, uh, if you're curious what the full lists are, like you want to find all the flicks and everything, if you forget to write everything down, they'll be up on my letterbox. I have Cameron's list and my list on my letterbox, which is this is Alexi, letterbox.com website. You click through, you find it, you'll click it, you'll find it. And 2006, Cameron, was an important year for me in my cinephilia, and I think where my lists begin to change shape, because (laughs) from here is when I am basically, they're movies that I saw in the cinema, for the most part, on this list from henceforth. You sat down in the chair, you Mm pop the popcorn on your lap, you won't say what else happened, but- Well, not much else happened, I was a fat loser. (laughs) 
in high school that was obsessed with the Oscars and movies. Often I was going by myself to see these flicks, but the movie that I picked this time, it's a movie that I love so much. There were a few in there, like The Departed, Children of Men. They were all movies I saw at the time that I was like, oh my God, I love these flicks and I love the movies. But this one is one I've returned to recently because it had a sequel a couple of years ago that I thought was absolutely fantastic. The movie is Borat Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Wow, 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 wow. Now, did you go see this by yourself? I saw it with my father. And let me tell you, during the naked wrestling fight Mm. scene, I was losing my goddamn mind. I don't think I'd seen anything funnier in my life. And I could not stop. Like, I had uncontrollable laughter. And I was so (laughs) embarrassed, like, with my dad that I was going, well, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he was laughing too, but I lost my mind. It was the funniest thing. I reckon maybe the funniest thing that had ever happened in cinema at that time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anything had ever topped it. I don't even know if anything has. But it's it's well, pretty... Grimsby got close. Grimsby was <laughs> really good and robbed for the Oscar, I believe. <laughs> well, it might come back up in a couple of spots. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think this movie's so funny. I grew up watching Ali G. Like he is mm. so you know, Love Sasha Ali Cohen. G. So important to what I find funny and, like, what I guess, like, is part of my comedic voice, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, like, mixing reality and comedy. Um, I think that he's genius. And Borat yeah. is, like, a true cinematic pinnacle for what he could possibly ever do. It's insane. Like, I, I still have so much love in my heart for this movie. I watched subsequent movie film when it came out. So funny. Loved it. Was so buzzed for it. Mm-hmm. I've seen the original Borat too many times. I, like, maybe I'm almost due for a rewatch now. Mm. But it's been enough time has passed. But have you? did we talk about this at all on the podcast last time? The, the big story that Sasha Baron Cohen told about... Uh, when he did a private screening for comedians and industry people of this film before it came out. I don't know if we ever talked about it, no. Have you heard the story? It's so great. He, yeah. he talks about how he he accounts for the film's success to this screening in particular that he had in Hollywood. And apparently during the naked wrestling scene, Larry David like was laughing so hard that he had to stand up in the cinema. Wow. And he was like standing up and clutching his face and like <laughs> howling with laughter. And that got such a reputation that this movie made Larry David lose his mind <laughs> that everyone started hyping it and buzzing it around town. So good. Oh, man, it's such a good movie. Cameron, what is your pick from 06? Uh, I mean, I can't remember what I picked last time, but you mentioned a few there that were great. Children of Men, obviously, is a great one. Um, I also love Talladega Nights a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, that's um, another Sasha Baron Cohen joint. another Sasha, another Sasha joint. I also love Rocky Balboa, which came <sighs> out that year. I think but, a wonderful uh, picture. That wonderful was one I pick. did see by myself in the cinema. <laughs> but I got to give it up for this one, uh, and I want to do a caveat of it. This mm. is probably my least favorite film by this filmmaker, oh. but uh, I thought it was important to at least include him in my list somewhere because he's he's arguably my my favorite filmmaker and my favorite comedy maker of all time. It's uh, For Your Consideration by mm. Christopher Guest. Wow, interesting pick. Well, I just love his movies. Mm. I love his casts mm. of rep players. I love the vibe. I love the uh, ad, like his improvisational style of work. Is I feel the same way about it as you do about Borat. Probably mm. like without without Christopher Guest films, I don't know even if I would be in comedy. Yeah. You know, I was so obsessed with his kind of ad libby mockumentary reality style. I've aped it a million times in my career. There's also that kind of, and I think this is something you're drawn to as well, there is that slightly heightened off-kilter naturalism where it doesn't feel so broad it's impossible. Mm. It's just like honing in on the specifics of eccentrics that have huge personalities and how they feel natural in the real world. 100%. And even when we were making Yeezus, I remember Mm. times just being like, 
I can't explain it, but I know there's a tone we need to hit. Mm. And if it's just, if it's even a fraction too big, it's not right. Yeah. But it still has to seem crazy and out there. But if it's just too cartoony, it's not right. Mm. But yeah, Chris Guest nails it. Um, The one thing I'll say about this movie is that it's my least favorite of his. I like mascots more, believe it or not. Yeah, I do too. I like mascots. Yeah. Yeah. I also think mascots is not great, but I do like it more than I think it's the masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what's weird about this movie? I think it's like his meanest movie. It's quite nasty because it doesn't quite have the same heart that like A Mighty Wind has yeah. or even like Best in Show where there's like yeah, a there's tenderness. A lot of heart. Mm. I don't think he loves the subject matter as much as he does the eccentrics <laughs> of the other films. No, it's very obvious. This is a showbiz satire and Christopher Guest has been pretty blatant with his disregard for showbiz. He mm. doesn't really participate in the Hollywood thing. And you can see when you watch this movie that he just finds actors, directors, the industry and the PR machine, he hates it. And it Mm. bleeds through in this movie. And I think there's a lot of great comedy, but the way that it ends for me is it's the saddest ending of any of his movies because these characters just get sucked into the showbiz machine and become irredeemable monsters by the end of the movie. And it's like... Bit heartbreaking, but anyway, I had to mention it. It's yeah. an all-star cast. It's a fucking banger. I still love it. I still love it. It's it's my pick of the year, for God's sakes. I think this is an interesting pick because it's one that I never revisit. I think I've seen it once on DVD, like, you know, in probably in 2008. I've never seen it again. Makes me curious to go back to it, Cameron. Good pick. No worries. Let's move forward to 2007. Good mm-hmm. grief. What a now, crazy, crazy year. This is a wonderful year for cinema. There were many wonderful pictures coming out. I believe there will be blood pops out. I believe mm. No Country for Old Men rears its hideous little head uh, and wins a Best Picture Oscar. I steer the bit clear of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were three movies that I've whittled it down to. So, I might have to do some picking at the end, but I'll tell you what a couple of them are. Okay. Um, one of them is an important gangster movie for me that I saw in the cinema. It was probably the first R18 movie that I snuck into. Uh, and it's one that I have watched a few times in the last couple of years. It is David Cronenberg's Eastern Promises, mm-hmm. the yeah. Russian gangster film set in London with Viggo Mortensen and mm-hmm. a little more to some, I would say, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Naomi Watts. And I would say, you know, I've got back-to-back two naked fight scenes. And I yep. think they're both, you know, one is the pinnacle of comedy. One is the pinnacle of, like, thrills and excitement. I think it's, like, f- superb fight choreography. <laughs> Naomi Watts is great in this movie I love the cast I think everyone in it is so fantastic even though they're not like doing accurate Russian accents all the time Mm. but Vigo dare I say it I think he's never been better as this character and there was a Mm. sequel that never got made I think it's been turned into like a Jason Statham movie coming out soon they just took the script mixed around a little bit they go okay it's a Jason Statham action movie now crazy Crazy. A great movie. Great pick. You got two more you're going to read out for me out of your yes. options? Yeah, I, I want to hear. Two more. I have a feeling one of them we're going to have is in common, but let's let's mm. hear. Let's. Oh, they're both documentaries. They're both documentaries. Oh, interesting. Okay. What have we got? And they're two of your favorite films as well. Like, I know for a fact. We've talked about them a little bit. Yeah. One of them is a film from our mentor, Anna Bronowski, Forbidden Lies, great. which was a huge movie at that time for me. Um, but since then, you know, Anna has worked with us so much to, like, help us enter the documentary realm as a mentor. And I think this is one of the best investigative documentaries ever. It's so such a ripper story. So exciting. Totally. If you love Finding Drago, Finding Jesus, Finding Desperado, Forbidden Lies is very much, like, the predecessor to like what we've been trying to do in like yeah, the same totally. kind of documentary space but a much more serious investigative version fantastic one of the best filmmakers totally it fucking rules i love it uh, whereabouts can people watch it now um it comes me- and goes from the streamers it's it I've, does yeah 
I watched an illegal version of it first, like mm. on a Russian streaming site or something. Yeah. Um, but then for a while it was on SBS, maybe. I, it was on if, SBS. Mm. I think it's been on iView a few times. Oh, yeah. uh, currently, you can watch it on YouTube or Google Play to rent it. Great. Um, or on disc. Mm. I've got a DVD just in case. You know, it mm-hmm. is one of those ones that hops off and hops on every now and then, like many Australian films do. Um, but highly recommend it, especially if you like what Cam and I do. The totally. next one. Same thing. I would recommend it if you like what Cam and I do. And this one has bizarrely also been hard to find over the last few years where I had to buy it on DVD. Um, The movie is from director Seth Gordon, the king Mm. of Mm. Kong, a fistful of quarters. Love it, love it, love it, love it. John Lovitz. Oh, wow. He would be fantastic in a live action <laughs> remake of this as a narrative film. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. I can always watch this movie. I get so much joy out of it. I feel like it's um, up there with some of the great comedy documentaries of all time, like American Movie and yeah. you know, something. It's just like, it, it's just fantastic. It just deserves its place on, on the list. If I was mm. to whittle down your three, they're all great. I would, I'd find it very hard to turn my nose up to King of Kong. Well, let's put the King of Kong on the list because I just freaking adore this movie. It is the best that a documentary can offer when it comes to the things that I love about documentaries, which is kind of finding insight into a subculture that would otherwise go unilluminated mm. and finding the interesting characters in there that kind of tell... Uh, story through genre and this is a genre film this is a genre of like kind of a sports movie movie, uh, told through reality finding a hero who's an underdog finding the apollo creed who is the best documentary character ever billy mitchell Mm. um the all-american kid he is (laughs) apollo creed i think he's fantastic Um, he's a twisted version of apollo creed yeah it's it's such a freaking great movie and I always lament that that Seth Gordon directed and written narrative sequel, like the kind mm. of live action narrative sequel never happened that they talked about so often. Yeah, but bro, we got pixels. Of course. And we I got think pixels instead. Dinklage is a perfect Billy Mitchell. <laughs> I think he actually really I say that as a joke. I really yeah. do mean it. He's I think great. he's perfect as Dinklage Billy Mitchell. Dinklage is a great Billy Mitchell. Mm. Um it does bum me out because I think Seth Gordon is like an EP or a consulting producer mm. on Pixels, which leads me to think that they absorbed parts of his screenplay into yeah. into Pixels. So we'll yeah. never see that movie. Yeah, unfortunately, um, we'll never bump. see it. Cameron, what is your pick from 07? I can't believe you didn't pick this one. I feel so excited that I get to be the one to add this to the list because I I didn't write down any Gosh. alts. I only wrote down wow. one option wow, for wow, this wow. year. Oh, my God. I and genuinely I, have no idea what you're going to say. I honestly thought you were going to pick it. So, I'm like stoked that I get to be the one to say it. Two words, two very cool words, each Three letters long, one <gasps> syllable each. Hot Rod. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, great great movie. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Imagine if I was like, oh, I've never heard of it. What is this movie? <laughs> Hot Rod is just one of those movies that I will be able to put on any time for the rest of my life. Mm. It's just pure joy. I have so much fun watching it. It's that... it's that perfect level of absurdity. I'd put it up there with Wet Hot American Summer or something Mm. where it's just incredibly sweet and wholesome on one hand, but then on the other hand, dirty and fucking weird and almost impenetrable. Yeah. Like, I can't even... uh, That's a good bar for whether I'm going to love a comedy is if, like, I know that certain people will hate it. Yeah. It (laughs) needs to be some kind of specific. And also, the thing that I really love about it... I love it when a comedy can nail this, which is like introducing the comedic talents of dramatic actors like mm. Ian McShane and Sissy Spacek it. in it. Love I just it. think that is, it adds some kind of weird authenticity to it all. It makes it feel uh, not real, but more cinematic. Totally. Yeah. It's a great call. It's sort of like, it sort of feels like the, I don't know, like the Billy Madison or the Happy Gilmore of its time. Mm. Maybe it never got quite the same amount of love as those movies, but to me, that's what I would put it as. Just like a real 
fun, sweet little goofy comedy. And anyone who hasn't seen it, I can't recommend it highly enough. I just fucking love this movie. Beautiful pick, and I am envious. You are right. <laughs> if if only it wasn't if it wasn't for the King of Kong, I mm. I would probably feel really jealous. But I'm so happy we got to put that in there together as well. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. Wow, 2007, great year for movies. And we didn't even talk about No Country and stuff. And we still, like, chose real classics. I feel like last time we talked about both of those movies. I can't remember exactly, but I have a feeling I would have picked Mm. No Country last time. Perhaps, perhaps. Shall we move on to the next year in history, 2008? Absolutely. Oh, eight. Ain't it great? Well, I think it is a wonderful year for films, Cameron. What is your pick on the list. <clears throat> I have three selections written mm-hmm. down. Let's um, whittle it down. All right, I'm going to whittle it down. The the third, I'm going to go from three to one. Okay? okay. Third pick, role models. Oh, my God. We were just talking about this movie the other day because the writer of role models did this tweet thread talking mm. about, like, its inception to its production. Yeah, it was been, great. I've been dying to rewatch it since reading that great thread. It's a 20-year anniversary of role models this year. Wow. Oh, hang on. That can't be right. 2008. Why, did, why <laughs> 20- the fuck were they posting, posting about it then? I think his Twitter was dying. He was like, oh, I've got to get this <laughs> off my chest. In my, I, I had framed it in my head of like, oh, it must be the 20-year anniversary or something. Yeah. But it's like, that was... <laughs> I can't be right at all. Yeah. What is it? Why were they doing that? Because David Wayne was posting about, about it too. I think they just were thinking about it. You know, they're reminiscing <laughs> about their life. <laughs> well, yeah, look, it's a great movie. It's a very fun, stupid comedy. I I enjoy it. I actually think it's gotten better with age, and I think mm. the David Wayne factor has kept it alive for me. Like, if yeah. it was just directed by any other studio Somehow. journeyman hack, I'd be like, yeah, yeah whatever. But No offense, the- Michael Showalter, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like Showalter. He's me a- too. He's not, you know, done some Oscar nominations. That's why I said no offense stuff. to him. I said no offense. <laughs> uh, Tropic Thunder is my number two pick. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Great comedy. I yes. love Tropic Thunder. Another Very one that fun. I've been wanting to rewatch recently because it's so humongous. It's and huge. Uh, because uh, when Ben Stiller was on Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast. Yeah. I died laughing when Dana Carvey was very serious ago. Like, I love Tropic Sun Thunder. I've seen it two times. <laughs> yeah, he went, I've seen it, I don't know, three times. Yeah. <laughs> and David Spade's like, oh, my God, I thought you were going to say, like, 20 times or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's immense. It's a huge comedy. Um, but I'm going to give the mantle, I've got to give it to this one. It's not a pure comedy, but it is funny. And it's uh, it's directed by a couple of brothers, which we love. Whoa. Burn After Reading by the Coens. Oh, I saw that in the cinema with my mother and auntie. Oh, interesting. And did they think Brad Pitt was a hunk of spunk? They said, George Clooney, I want to put his shoes under my bed. And I want to get one of those pillows that elevates my knees. <laughs> And positions my hips in just the right place. And I want him to design one of those chairs downstairs. Mm. I think this movie has some of the funniest comedic reveals. Like the moment where they reveal what that chair is, (laughs) is a huge laugh out loud moment. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I, I really think like... Uh, the Coens are the masters of like dumb criminal mm. or dumb, you know, kind of like dumb people comedy. Yeah. And this movie's great. Raising Arizona, you know, mm. oh, oh brother, where art thou? Like their their cinematic canon is filled with particularly thick people. Um, yeah. And I think they cast them well. Like it's always a Clooney or a Pitt or a Francis McDormand, you know, but mm. like or a John Turturro or someone. But I think, like, they made it look so easy that there's a million copycats out there that try to do dumb criminal comedies that just fucking suck. Yeah. But this movie's great. I love it. I love the way it ends. I love the J.K. Simmons bookends of this Mm. movie. It's just a fun little, like, look at a slice of life that the movie acknowledges is not important, (laughs) which I just love. And I would say... One of the hardest I've ever laughed in the cinema is that Brad Pitt smile, and you yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. 
so funny. <laughs> it's so good. It's Superb acting. Yes. All right. What about you? 2008, I whittled it down to one movie. This is an wow. Australian film, and wow. it is a faux documentary horror found footage movie that has received some kind of resurgence in the last few years. It's been a great Blu-ray release that I think has kind of forged some more mainstream cinephile love for it. There's been some great screenings of it at the Art Gallery of New South Wales in the last year or so as well. The movie is by Joel Anderson. The movie's Lake Mungo. Uh, mm. Have you ever seen Lake Mungo, Cameron? No, but I've been seeing people post about it a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'll read you the plot synopses from Letterboxd. After 16-year-old Alice Palmer drowns in a local dam, her family experiences a series of strange, inexplicable events centered in and around their home. Unsettled, the Palmer seek the help of psychic and, and parapsychologist who discovers that Alice led a secret double life. At Lake Mungo, Alice's secret past emerges. And so it is a documentary or faux documentary about this mystery, about this person's life. So it's a little bit Twin Peaksy, set in mm. like rural Australia, but all shot through realistic found footage that is then turned into a documentary with talking heads and a narrative structure. Um, and it is so creepy. And I think what really is what makes this feel so superbly made is that it never breaks the confines of that faux documentary medium and it's all the creepier for it. And I think that is kind of what makes this resonate so much is that unlike other found footage films where they you know they tend to like break through some stuff this just never lets that happen and mm. superb movie i just think it is fantastic i'm glad that it's gotten so much more stuff uh so much more you know love and praise of the last few years and it's one of those things it's such a shame that joel anderson they never just went oh let's just give this guy a tv show because he mm. is a great filmmaker what can he do they never really got that next big shot. It's just that one movie. Yeah, I've seen a few people posting about it in our group on mm -hmm. Facebook and I think a bit on Twitter too. So maybe it'll be one that I add to the list yeah. of spookers. I love to watch a little spooker. Yeah, I think I that, that every now and then they played at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Now that their screenings are back on, it would be one that I'd love to see in the cinema. Mm. Or the Art Gallery. Of course, it is a work of art in my opinion. Yes, 2009, feeling fine. Mm-hmm. A wonderful year for motion pictures once again. How, how did you go with this year? Did you find this one difficult? Yeah, there were a few movies that mean a lot to me. Uh, last time I put Dogtooth down when we yeah. did this on the Blank Slate Movie Podcast finale. Uh, that's a huge movie. Yorgos Lanthimos is a real idol of mine. Uh, mm. Then my Did you know he's Greek? He is Greek. Did you Proudly. know that? I knew that because that movie is spoken in the language of Greek, so did, I understand it. Did you know Did you know that the, it's set in Greece? It is set in Greece, <laughs> and I know that because I've seen the movie, and I understand it. <laughs> okay. I don't even need subtitles on when I watch it. I'm like, I get this, and it's freaking weird, and it's cool. Uh, Samson Delilah, great Australian movie, Warwick Thornton. Mm, Love that movie. movie. Love that movie. I don't <clears> think I've <throat> ever seen it again since seeing it in the cinema. But um, I've never forgotten it. It stayed with me. Beautiful movie. I watched it again a couple of years ago. It's a fucking gorgeous looking movie. Mm. Um, really heartbreaking movie too. But yeah, he's fantastic. He's an undeniable talent. My pick is another Australian film. And it was one that I don't remember if I saw back then. But I caught up with it last year when I did screen drafts with Blake. Mm -hmm. uh, when we did the 21st century Australian cinema draft. Mm -hmm. And this was one that just snuck in and blew me away. It is the claymation stop motion animated film Mary and Max by Adam Elliott. Yes, you've been evangelizing about this movie since you did that screen draft set. Mm, you it, love it. I think it is so beautiful. It's like this really dark Australian quirky comedy. I would say it's in the same ballpark as a movie you put on the list last week, Muriel's Wedding. Um, and it's captures that kind of sense, which is something we've talked about, of stories that are that idea of feeling stuck all the way on the wrong side of the world. And... In Australia, I feel like that's such a feeling that we have, like that we're in the wrong place and it's just like, you know, we're on the other side mm. of what's going on in the world. And it's got such a 
beautifully unique personality and a thing that I would say is like the genuine surprise of going back to this movie is Philip Seymour Hoffman's vocal performance as Max who is this uh, tremendously obese Jewish man living in New York a very lonely life who communicates with Mary an Australian girl living in the suburbs of Australia as pen pals I think in the 1980s or 1990s it's set I think it might be his best performance. Like he is, he has so much phenomenal emotion that comes through this voice of this character. It's amazing movie, amazing movie. I, I, I want to put it in here because I want to mm. people to recommend it and see mm. it. It's accessible at the moment. You can find it on a few streamers. Beautiful film. Do you think his performance in Mary Max is better or worse than his performance in Along Came Polly? Honestly, this is hand on heart. If I had a Bible, I'd put all my hands and toes and fingers on it. Those are my two favorite performances of his whole career. I think <laughs> Along Came Polly is one of the best comedic performances <laughs> by a non-comedic star. And I think it's so funny. Underrated whole movie as well. Yeah, that is underrated. Great Hank Azaria performance. So funny. Alec Baldwin, hilarious in it. Brian Brown, so funny. Deborah Messing, great. Yes. Yes. Jennifer Aniston, need I say more? No. How funny is it that Hank Azaria's, like, got this insane body? Crazy. He's makes hot no, as fuck Makes no it's sense. Crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy because you just go, oh, Mo from The Simpsons, and yeah. you see him in that movie. He's like, ripped. What the fuck? He's so hot. It's crazy. <laughs> he looks like a matinee idol. <laughs> He's amazing in it. <laughs> it's insane to me when anyone who's just primarily a vocal performer is, like, mm. insanely beautiful. It's crazy. It's like, because you see him pop up as a character, I can do a few things. Yeah. You're like, yeah, interesting. But in that movie, like, mm. what the fuck? All they need to do was, like, give him a bit of, like, a, Give him a wig. A tan job and a wig, and he's like yeah. the hottest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he's like hotter than Kevin Sorbo. Like he's that. He becomes that type of guy, and then becomes hotter than any of the other versions of them. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, who? What is your pick for '09? <clears throat> the year so fine. Mm. We've said it a few times. <laughs> I think last time I picked Inglorious Bastards, and uh, I don't want to pick it again, but I do. I do often revisit that mm. movie. Just I find it to be incredibly fun. But um, I've gone with another fun choice this time around by a filmmaker whose work I have had an up and down relationship with. I love the early stuff. I think there's some sublime pieces of art mm. in his filmography. And then I don't think I've loved the last couple that he's made, but I do love this one. It's fantastic. Mr. Fox. Great film. Wes We've, Anderson. Yes. Love that film. Love it. We've talked about it in the past. We don't need to talk about it too much more, but I do just want to say that, I think this is the best work he did with stop motion stuff. Mm. And I also think it's the beginning of the end for Wes wow. Anderson. <laughs> wow. I I mean, I agree to an extent, but I really love the French Dispatch as well. Um, yeah, I couldn't and, get into it. And the uh, Grand Budapest might be my favorite Wes film. Uh, I couldn't get into that either. Mm. Um, I just, this movie I think is maybe one of his best ones. and uh, yeah, But I also I look at it now and go... Yeah, he just like, this is the point in time where he fell way too in love with highly composed minutiae mm. and everything after it started to look like this because yeah. he enjoyed the control that he could have over the frame. Mm. And I don't know if I love that yeah. as a whole. I think I love it as a little, I love it in this movie, but I don't love it in Grand Budapest or French Dispatch or anything like that. Mm. Even Moonrise I, Kingdom, I'm not... I don't love Moonrise on. Kingdom. Mm. Even though it features one of the great... Bruce Willis performances. Yeah, he's fantastic in that. And he's he's what brings me back to that movie, I'd say, every time I rewatch it, which is only two times. I've only seen yeah, it three wow, times, I like think. like Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that says a lot. Dana Carvey watched a movie three times that he loved, and I watched one I don't like three times. Yeah, that does say a lot. Good grief. Okay, 2010, I picked the movie that's influential to me. The movie is... Catfish, the documentary mm. that spawned the TV show Catfish <clears throat> and the term. Are you hearing this shit that's going on outside my fucking window again? I can hear it. What is that? What's going so on? Someone's out there? fucking blowing leaves. <laughs> it's like who gives a fuck? Just wait leave a second. Them. Who's leaves? Who's this guy called Leaves? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Lisa just screaming right so now. So your neighbour, your neighbour's neighbor getting blown? Yeah, Jeez I live next Louis. to a fucking hippie who's got a name called Leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and he's extremely vocal. Leaves, quiet down. Yeah, Catfish is my pick. I love it. It's so... Uh, honestly, it I probably wouldn't be making documentaries if it wasn't for Catfish. Can I ask you a question? Because we've talked about Catfish a mm-hmm. bit, and uh, I love it too. We, we don't need to... Totally go in the weeds with it. But can I ask you, have you ever eaten catfish? I have, yes. I ate catfish when I was in Philadelphia. Uh, we, Me and my buddy went to the terminal markets there, mm. and um, they had like a soul food store. And is, that the markets from, uh, is that the markets from the that De Palma movie, Blowout, where yeah. he's- being, he's uh, John Lithgow is stalking her through the markets. Through the markets, yeah, those yeah, markets. That, that looks fucking amazing. I'd love to go there. Yeah, so you you see me eating a po' boy as John <laughs> Lithgow wanders past. Yeah, it was delicious. Catfish. How good are po' boys? No one's yeah. talking about po' boys. I know. I, everyone's talking about Doughboy, the character played by <laughs> Ice Cube in Boys in the Hood. Yeah. No one's talking about po' boy. There was a po' boy restaurant in Melbourne for a bit. I don't know if really? it's still there, but it was oh, sick. Yeah. I had a catfish po' boy from there in yeah. Melbourne. And it was delish, delish. I love that fish. <laughs> it's a wonderful creature and a fantastic movie. And leaves, would you quiet down out there? <laughs> Good Lord, you're having the time of your life right now. <laughs> Good Lord almighty. But, I don't get why leaf blowers exist. Just fucking rake them, cunt. What are you for doing? Real, there's like always yard work going on around your house. What's it's that about? It's nuts. I mean, it's a lot of leafy green area. It's quite nice, but it's just like, yeah, we got to send some old bloke with a fucking gun to blow shit away every now and then. Like, shut up. Who cares? Don't they know you're talking about movies? I'm here trying to talk about the movie Catfish, and I keep getting interrupted by a leaf getting blown. <laughs> Cameron, your O10 pick, O10. Uh, who's ever said that? It is technically O10 if you yeah. look at the whole year spelt your out. Your two O10 pick, <laughs> two O10. Um, I went with the trip. Oh my god, great! Mm. Michael wow. Winterbottom, Flickeroo, wow. Steve Coogan, Rob Brydon. Uh, I do love it. I rewatched mm. all of the trip yeah. movies again recently. Same. When Greece came out, the trip to Greece came out. I rewatched yeah. all of them. Loved yes. them all. I love them all. I again, it's we're talking about things that we've talked about recently, which is like the blending of reality mm. and narrative comedy, which is something that you and I love yeah. and informs our work in. Um, the finding stuff that we do. Mm. But yeah, I love that there's, there is reality in this. There's a lot of improv. There's a lot of drawing on each other's real lives, but there's also a fictional element to it as well. And you're never quite sure what's fake and what's real. Mm. And that's just, that is the shit that does, does it for me. I just yeah. love it. I love watching the blend of those two and trying to figure out where the line is. In fact, some of the comments we got on Yeezus were, I don't know what sketch and what's documentary. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly what I love. That's well, I allow me to break it. It's all made up. Yeah, we're so crazy. We invented a story yeah. about a cult in a video game. Yeah, that's true. We, we Our names aren't even Cameron and Alexi. Not at all. My name is Cameron. Your name is Alexander. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2011, Cameron, my pick is actually not too dissimilar to what you just said aye, uh, aye. in blending reality and comedy and documentary. Is it blended? Re- it's Happy blended. Madison movie. The Happy Madison production of 2013. <laughs> I picked it a little a couple of years early. <laughs> um, the one that I picked... We've talked about this in relation to another documentary film uh, on like a Patreon podcast we did last year, I think. Um, the movie is from a, one of my favorite directors, one of your favorite directors, and I had to get him onto the list. And this is maybe not my favorite movie by them, but it's the one that keeps me the most curious and kind of the one that I revisit often because it is such a specific thing that he's created here. And the movie is Bernie from Richard Linklater, starring Jack Black, Shirley MacLaine, and Matthew McConaughey. Mm, yes. I was just talking about this movie with a friend of mine over the weekend. It's um, it's a fun movie. It does exactly what we're talking about. It's mm. like a fun 
slice of life reality meets comedy fiction meets uh, like the real world I just love it it's a fucking great movie and it's kind of like about that neighborhood hearsay like there's always that story in the town neighborhood gossip. that town gossip kind of thing mm. and uh, it's about this woman and this weird little uh, what do you call him he's an embalmist a, uh, he's like a mortician or something right a mortician um, and the weird little friendship and relationship that they have but the documentary elements are like what really get me about this film mm. where they talked to people and interviewed people that were there at the time and they get the gossip from them and then they use those to inform acted talking head uh, segments with people in there. They're actors, I believe, interpreting them. Mm. Um, but it's really cool and it's informed by this documentary that Linklater was, I guess, some kind of executive producer on back in the 90s called Hands on a Hard Body. Um, I love it. I which- love Hands on a Hard Body. Hands on Hard Body, we love that movie. If you've never seen that, it's on like MailChimp.com for streaming. Um, but it's such a good documentary. You can find like a sneaky version of it out there somewhere. I didn't I didn't subscribe to MailChimp.com to watch it. I think I found it all on YouTube or something. McConaughey and Linklater are both EPs of it. And it's a, yeah, it's a great, great little doco in the vein of a King of Kong or something like that. All right, 2011 was a tough one for me, actually. there's a, I, I had three picks here. They're all just fun watches that I've enjoyed watching over the years and that I will continue to re-watch from now until my deathbed, mm, whenever that I may be. Which I pray is a few years away. Me too. I hope it's further down the line. Um, I'm going to narrow it down to one, but the three that I've written down are Fast Five, The Fast and Furious fifth movie i think that's my favorite of the franchise too yeah it's a great one that's the one with the stupid um safe yeah the safe thing that they steal so much fun (laughs) it's so much fun um mission impossible ghost protocol oh love that movie yeah love that movie too that's like a bugs bunny movie it's when they started Mm. bringing like cartoony elements into the franchise which i quite love it's made by a cartoon director brad bird yeah brad bird tweet tweet and um, I'm going to give it to a comedy because, as we know, I do love a little comedy. I'm giving it to Bridesmaids. Oh, wow. I remember seeing that in the cinema and losing my freaking gourd laughing. Yeah, and I, I actually really think it's not it's not one of those studio comedies that hits big and then falls off. Like, mm. it really does stand the test of time. Totally. It holds up. All the performances are so great and so real, which rules. Like, it's in a way that you don't really see with, like, most studio comedies where everyone's kind of playing a sketch character, you know? Like, everyone feels believable in this. Maya Rudolph is great. Melissa mm. McCarthy gives a grounded performance. She's nominated for a fucking Oscar for it. So funny in it. I think that... And it's truly a movie star turn. She becomes a huge star after that. Totally, yeah. She starts the movie as almost the sketchiest character of the film, but then she gets a couple of really great grounded scenes towards the like back half of the movie, which makes you go, oh, this is what she got nominated for. Like, it's the reality that she's bringing to this insane world. I love Bridesmaids. I watch it a lot. I will watch it again. And I've never been a bridesmaid, but it looks like a hell of a time these girls are having. (laughs) 2012. Good Lord, what an important year in my (laughs) life and in my growth and development as a human being. And in Mayan calendar. Yes, I honestly thought the world was going to end and I did I, I did everything in my power to make <laughs> that happen and it still didn't come true. So, yeah. I don't know, don't know. But a few good flicks came out that year, that's for sure. Yeah, a couple here or there. I'm going to tell you this, Cameron. This is my most psychotic pick of the whole list, the whole lifetime. Interesting. Wow, I can't even begin to think of what it would be. I'm just excited to hear it. Genuinely controversial. It, it's controversial what I picked, and I feel. Oh my god! I, it's not I was Blue Jasmine, to- is it? <sighs> it's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I know what it's going to be. 
Um, this is a documentary film okay. uh, from one of my favorite artists of all time, Spike Lee, and it's I think the only time he's on my list. My one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, huge, 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 huge artistic inspiration in my life, um, and I really appreciate and respect filmmakers that are both documentarians and uh, narrative filmmakers like Scorsese, Agnes Varda, mm-hmm. and Spike Lee. For me, is up there with them like on both levels um this is a documentary he made about one of the most important artists of popular culture's history and one of their most important pieces of art in that time this is a movie called bad 25 about the 25th Mm -hmm. anniversary of the album bad by michael jackson um and i have a complicated relationship with michael jackson he's one of my favorite singer songwriters artists of all time and you um, think he's innocent as well you've gone on record as hey, hey, hey. i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so there have been times in the past where i've said that where he was found innocent of in a jury of his peers um but you know i don't believe that i don't believe no, that anymore of course not of course um, not but I, 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 when the other documentary about Michael Jackson came out, yeah, <laughs> this one, another one, um, <laughs> I swore to never listen to his music again. Yep. I swore it. I would never listen to his music again. And I did for a really long time. And then, uh, for some reason, the song Ben popped into my head, like yeah. in 2020 when we were in lockdown. I just was like, Okay, I'm gonna listen to it. I haven't listened to anything, and I was like, "Oh, it's okay." He was a little boy when he sung that song, so yeah. you know. Then I I was home alone. My partner was at work, and it was during lockdowns. And I just had this one day where I was like, "Ah, oh, goddamn it, I'm back in." Mm-hmm. And I was like, going on Google, I was like, "I want to watch a documentary about Michael Jackson." So I put in like Michael Jackson documentary is not that one. <laughs> the like, other one, any other, the other one. ones. And I saw this. I didn't even know this existed. This bad at twenty five. Mm-hmm. And um, it is one of the most comprehensive documentaries. It's like three hours long where basically Spike goes track by track through Mm. this incredible album talking to every single person you could possibly dream to talk to about the creation of each song from the co-writers to the guy that is the choir leader to... Martin Scorsese, who directed the video clip for Bad, and like talks to everyone, all the directors that did the video clip, the guy that did the animation with the Speed Demon video clip, everything. It's so comprehensive. The reason it gets into like my top of this year is there's this 25 minute segment at the end of the documentary, which is when people, the talking heads, start to America, when Michael died, what happened, what they, where they all were, and stuff like that. And then someone has this line and go, When Michael, uh, when some artist died, people go to this one thing from them. When Michael died, everyone went to Man in the Mirror, and that was a song. And then for 25 minutes, they talk about uh, how that song is conceived and they get talked to Sidra who's the co- the writer of the lyrics of that song mm. how her inspiration came over her and then the creative possession she had where the lyrics just came out of her mind and she's writing them down singing it calling people up she calls up Quincy and is just like hey I've got this song in me can I let's put it down and then it becomes a Michael song, how he changes it, how he takes ownership of it. And then the documentary ends with the live performance of that song. Mm. And it is just like the best example of articulating creative possession than you've ever seen. Like how creativity comes out of someone and then becomes something in the world. And it's a shame that's about a guy who's so fucked up and yeah. like is so maligned. So it's hard to recommend. But it's also a great way to, uh, and that's just something that so many people talk about when they talk about like the complex people that have uh, been figures in popular culture history, all the other work from other creatives that gets diminished because of their wrongdoings and like Mm. all the work that goes into them. So if that's something that interests you, this is a documentary really about that, like all the people that come together to collaborate to make something really powerful and special so I'm so sorry there's a really psycho pick about I didn't what am I going to do put like some I don't know Silver Linings playbook or something in here (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen Bad 25 I remember you talking about it a few years ago I should 
finally press play on the thing because I love <sighs> the people involved in the making of the documentary. I like mm. Spike a lot, and Spike uh, is so cool. I it pains me to say it, but I like the music and mm-hmm. artistry of Michael Jackson. Mm. I don't like what he stood for as a man, yeah, but I do like the work that he made, and I'd love to watch it. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'm so sorry, all listeners, that I picked this thing. I couldn't help it. I didn't want to choose Silver Linings Playbook. I didn't want to. He's bad too. He's bad too. I remember I watched. Um, Finding Neverland and This Is It in the same weekend. So, Finding Neverland is the one you were talking about. This Is It is the one that's just him rehearsing for the London concerts before he passes away. Can I ask, is it Finding Neverland or is that the movie with Johnny Depp about J.M. Barry? Finding Neverland, Losing Neverland, something about Neverland. It's something about Neverland, surely. Yeah. Awful title, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, we can't remember it, but that's not really the point of it. Anyway, I reckon that's a good pick. I reckon that's fine. You shouldn't feel worried about that. That's a, it's a story of artists, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's interesting to you. And it's interesting to people to watch that shit. Yeah. And even if they are a complicated figure, I think it's quite engaging to watch the creation process. Yeah, and it was also for me, it was necessary reckoning with my, to watch this documentary and my reckoning with someone who was such a huge part of my, uh, you know, upbringing and falling in love with music. Cameron, please rescue us away from this topic with your 2012 pick. (laughs) Yeah, so I think last time I picked The Master, I really do love The Master, Mm. but over the last few years, I've found myself not loving it as much as I used to, maybe like yeah. a little bit at arm's length from it nowadays mm-hmm. or something. But um, I'm there I, with you too. I rewatched it and it's not my fave. It's maybe my least favorite. Yeah, I still enjoy it, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not as clear to me as the other ones. But I've found one that I think has become one of my one of my all time fave movies, and one that I will put on for fun. And also, I get a little more out of it than just fun. I find it to be, like, beautiful. I think it's a very strangely beautiful movie um, starring beautiful men with beautiful bodies. I'm talking about Magic Mike. Wow. Yeah, I love this movie. I love this movie. Love this movie. It's like Rocky. I think of it like Rocky Mm. or something like that, or Saturday Night Fever or something, where it's just... One of those types of stories of, like, underdog with big dreams Mm. in a strange little universe. I love the world of it. I love, like, the... Like the crappy backstage area and the strip club and like all the weird spray tans that they use. I love the camaraderie between everybody. It just... You love Alex Pedophile. Big Pedophile fan. I'm a pedophile. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. Um, he's. Do you reckon he'll be back in the third one? By the way, I would be so surprised. I'll be shocked <laughs> to hell if that happens. He's forgotten by history, you know. Yeah, he's pretty good in this. He's pretty good, yeah, but you love him. It's the Channing show, like yeah, and the McConaughey show, you know. So it's really you're there for them. I I do love it. I think it's a fucking great movie. It looks cool. It's got a great vibe. I love the trashy quality because it's. There's something about trash that's done in like a really artistic way that just really compelling to me. I just find so mm. beautiful and interesting. I love the sequel as well. Yeah, I really love the sequel. I think the sequel is so much fun. Sequels are blasts. Love Jada Pinkett Smith in it. So yes. good. Looking forward to the threequel. Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's it's had a bit of developmental challenges, which will be mm. interesting to see how it turns out. Totally, but big recommend if there's anyone out there who's avoided watching Magic Mike because you think it's just a stripper movie. Um, it is a stripper movie, but it's fucking yeah. sick. It's so fun and so cool and like has a great Soderbergh vibe. So I reckon mm-hmm. bump it up your list, guys. Stop being such a Puritan and seek out the carnal pleasures of human flesh, for goodness sake. Also, there's not that much stripping in it. There's Not really. There's heaps in the sequel. The sequel yes. is almost all dance sequences, which is great in its own way. But Sequel's another great movie about creative expression. Mm, yeah, totally. Totally. 
2013. God, we're in the teens. Finally, we're in the teens. In our teens. This is where shit gets crazy. Mm-hmm. Shit gets whack. And I picked the whack pick. So, another one from creators that we really respect, admire, and look up to. The movie is Matt Johnson's The Dirties from 2013. Oh, fuck yes. So, The Dirties, if you're not familiar with it, dear listener, oh, is... this. It's a, I'll just read you the, the plot synopses because so cool. The line between reality and fiction starts to blur when two best friends start making a movie about getting revenge on their bullies. So it's a movie set in a high school about two teenagers. They're losers. They're getting bullied. Uh, they're cinephiles. They're film nerds. And they make a documentary uh, or they want to make a movie about a school shooting where they kill their bullies. But then it ends up becoming an actual school shooting. And it's made by the creators of, or one of the creators of Nirvana, the band, the show. So they make a lot of things that are just filmed in reality with real people. And a lot of this movie is filmed in a high school at the time, like while it's still operating and stuff. So there's scenes where there's just real kids around in the background. But then when it becomes more fictionalized, they just shoot it on weekends and stuff. So it's just like a, so interesting. It's one of the, most singular films I've ever seen. Man, I'm so jealous you picked that one. I didn't even think to put it. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, it's. I don't even know how to really describe it, but I just think that it's just so brilliant and disturbing and funny and touching and just totally unique. And I think they really unlocked a whole new type of filmmaking with this. Totally. Yeah, you know, totally. There's other stuff like it, but just in this exact mode, I don't think there's anything ever like it. Uh, anyone who's a fan of Nirvana, the band, the show, should check this out. That mm. that TV show was like one of those moments where, and it happens every now and then, where you just watch a TV show and you go, fuck, this is brand new. This is something yeah. I've never seen before. Nirvana, the band, the show was that for me. And there's parts of its DNA in Finding Eases as well, I would mm. say. And the Dirties kind of kicks that off and their follow-up film, Operation Avalanche, is also really interesting where they made a thriller set in NASA in the 1960s and they filmed it at NASA pretending they were making a documentary. So good. Crazy. It's so crazy what they do. So ballsy. So ballsy. God damn. I love that pick. Good on you. Thank you, mate. Man, you did it. You fucking <laughs> Thanks, did bro. it. Thank you so much, <laughs> mate. Oh, dude, just... Fucking take a load off, man. You picked a good... Yeah, you picked a winner. Thank God. All right, I'll take it easy for the rest. Pick a bunch of losers to make up for it. Yeah, just pick a bunch of bullshit coming up. All right, Super Lining Playbook each year from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll tell you my one. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, I, I nearly went with Blue Ruin. I really like Blue Ruin. Yes, Jeremy Sonia. Thank yes. you very much. Nearly went with Before Midnight. Oh, um, Richard Lankletter, you're welcome very I, heaps. I ended up going with uh, an Aussie flickeroo. I ended up going with Mystery Road. Oh, beautiful. Sen. We love Ivan Sen. Yes. Great movie, great mystery, great vibe. And as I said, I said this, mm. I think, multiple times. I will say it again. Mystery Road does something brand new with a shootout that I had never mm. seen before and that I just loved to witness it. I thought, wow, this is an interesting way to film a highly dramatic shootout. I fucking love it. And uh, I've never seen it again. That whole Jace Swan mystery adventures, I yeah, think uh, love every single one of them is fantastic. Goldstone, this indirect sequel mm-hmm. that follows that character afterwards. The Mystery Road TV show is awesome. Yeah. The prequel I'm yet to watch, but I think that sounds fucking cool as well. Yeah, I haven't watched the prequel yet, but I'm pumped to watch it. I, when it's all up somewhere, I'll check it out because I, I love all the Jace Swan stuff. I think... Mm. Aaron Pedersen rocks. Oh, he is one of the best actors in Australia today. Yes, I'm a big Tasma Walton fan as yeah. well. I just love it. Yeah, fuck yeah. Mystery Road. I hope Aaron Pearson gets to do something humongous. I hope mm. so. Like, I hope he gets to fight the Eternals or something one day. Oh, my God. If he's in Eternals too, Jeez Louise. If he played Ben Grimm as the thing, wow. Fantastic Four, sign me up. 
Or I just hope he gets to win an Oscar is more what I mean, I'd say, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, we don't really need him in the Marvel movies, but I'd love to see him do a big fucking dramatic movie. Mm, he's a great so actor cool. and he's got an interesting life and he's so good in this. Anyone who's a fan of like pot boilers, mysteries, detective stories, westerns, Mystery mm. Road is a great blend of all of those set in the outback in Australia and it's just a fucking blast. Yeah, I, 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 I think I prefer Goldstone, the sequel, slightly more, but it's, they're both not. like powerful powerhouse, like noir films. I like Me- Goldstone noir a lot. Goldstone mm. rules, but for me, Mystery Road is just a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. Far out, amazing pick, Cameron. Good Lord Almighty, Cameron. Let's put a pin in it there for now. And let's turn this into a three-parter celebration of 200 episodes of Total Reboot because there's so many freaking movies still to cover. So we'll be catching up with you again next week to finish off this list. We'll also be making some announcements about some things that we're excited about in the future for Cameron and I's comedy and this podcast together and what we're going to be planning to do with it next year. So stay tuned for next week. We'll be making some big announcements and I'll also be putting up the complete lists on my letterboxd as of next week. Um, anything we'd need to plug? Uh, um, you're in Hobart this weekend, aren't you? I, I am. When's this coming out? This is coming out on Friday. Friday, yeah. Well, I'm in Launceston then, I believe. Launceston. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Hobart last night and it was fucking great. Mm. And tonight I'm in Launceston at Bogues Brewery doing my show Electric Dreams. Stand-up comedy is the love of my life, so I'd love it if you'd come out and support that. Um, that's all I need to plug. I'm Also, I'm about to go on a little holiday in Tasmania for yeah. the rest of... For like 10 more days. So, very excited about that. Do you have anything yeah. you'd like to plug? Um, I would just love to point people towards Finding Jesus. If you have not watched wow. it yet, I'll it's check the it out. documentary that Cameron and I made. It's fucking awesome. It's so cool. It's the shit that I hope we get to do for the rest of our lives. Mm. Uh, and it is looking more likely every day that we could get to do more shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, check it out, please. And check out, you know... The past 200 episodes of Total Reboot. There's so many fucking episodes in this feed that I'm so proud of. There's some of like the best podcasting we've ever done that are so funny. I go back and re-listen to them sometimes because it's just like nice reliving memories of funny conversations we've had with each other (laughs) and like insights that we've like blown each other's minds with of like a new way to look at a classic film or film that perhaps should get that classic status Mm. or should be withheld from ever being seen ever again. Um (laughs) So, yeah, check out Total Reboot. (laughs) 